Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter, and joining me, as always, is Tara. Greetings, citizens. Her. Like them. <laughs> that doesn't really it, Us. There was a joke. There was a joke in there, but it didn't. It, it didn't quite materialize. This is a science fiction movie podcast. We get together. We've watched the movie. We talk about it. It's really quite that simple. And this episode, we are discussing a vote winner every month on patreon.com slash TV. Our $5 and up patrons get to vote between four films. We had bug slash insect slash small creatures as a, as a theme. And the winner was 1954's Them. Them! There's an exclamation mark, so I'm trying to... Them! I'm, I'm trying to <laughs> give a bit, a bit of a kick. So... Yeah, uh, so so this is uh, right in the atomic era, it's the 1950s, and we're dealing with the, the fallout, the casualty of radiation. Not that, that you know, this is based on any sort of scientific accuracy by any means, but lo and behold, some ants have become supersized, and that is the premise for the film. Uh, I'll, I'll just say spoilers in general, I guess. Maybe a while before we get to any real meaty spoilers, but... Uh, I'll just I'll give the warning now just in case uh, anything slips out as we're get going through the, the the early sort of opinion stuff here. So uh, that's basically the, the gist of it. I mean, to get more specific, we have a, a police officer who discovers a little girl who's been traumatized, and they find evidence that something big has happened to this family who were traveling through the country. They had a camper, uh, and then a, a local store also is wrecked. And it's like, what could have done this? And they bring in like an expert, a scientist. Uh, and his daughter, and they sort of become the experts in tracking down what's going on, and lo and behold, they find giant ants. And it becomes about containing the nest, and unfortunately, when possible more nests are going to appear, it becomes about finding those. So those are, those are the clear kind of goals and focus of the plot. Uh, Tara, well, first of all, how had you seen them before? Yes, I have. I've watched it... Uh... I watched it on TV years and years and years ago, but it's one that stuck with me. Well, in that case, it's a monster how did, movie. How did you feel about it uh, on this viewing? I still like it. Um, I I really like the first half more so than the second half, just because the second half caused me to fall asleep a couple times. But I I did watch <laughs> it. <laughs> I did go back and watch it, um, and it's uh, it is pretty fun, fun idea. Um, I think that it is sort of based on something that did happen where uh, some flower seeds that were exposed to radiation actually like became enlarged and it was like a big deal at the time. So it is sort of based on that idea. Like the public could accept it a bit more because that was something that was known. Okay. Based on something tangential, (laughs) it was slightly truthful. I suppose. Okay, uh, that's where the inspiration came from. Yeah, but a bit of a stretch though. To these, these uh, ants have become the size of like, I don't know, cars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think like they were talking about uh, like marigolds would bloom into the size of like a dinner plate, or something. Which would still be a sight, but yeah. not 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 as scary. No, <laughs> they're quite scary. lovely actually. Yeah. Uh, not as dangerous. Although, arguably, maybe going up to them still dangerous if there's radiation involved, but n- not for eating you reasons. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe maybe, the, maybe these flowers got got minds of their own now. Maybe they're going to chomp Maybe you. Little Shop of Horrors is a is also an anti anti H bomb <laughs> or atomic bomb movie. It's been a long time since I've seen that, and that's a remake also. So was the original one like from the fifties Atomic Age? Uh, it may have been. I don't know when the original came out. But yeah, the one that most people tend to talk about is the one from the 80s, right? Yeah, the Frank Oz one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I don't think I had seen this before. I'm pretty sure this was the first time first time watch. Um, and I enjoyed it. This is a fun sci-fi B-movie from, from the era where you got a lot of these things. It has all of the positives and all the negatives of most of the movies that I've seen of this era. Uh, which is, you know... Everyone enjoys that scene in the middle where they have to over-explain the premise. So we have a slideshow as the scientific character just explains to us how ants work yeah. and what we're looking for. Oh. It just becomes a... Um... Oh, I can't remember his name. But the, the guy who always narrates nature documentaries. Uh, Attenborough? Attenborough, yeah. <laughs> Attenborough. Such an American. <laughs> <laughs> Why? What do you call him? Attenborough. Oh, well, it is a Scottish name, isn't it? <laughs> well, I don't know if it's specifically Scottish, but I know why you're saying that. Because <laughs> there's another Attenborough who plays one John Hammond, who stars yeah. in the film Jurassic Park. Uh, <laughs> yeah. See what I did there? Okay. Yes. Leaned into it. Which okay. is also a bit monsters, technically. I mean, they're. They're dinosaurs, they're a bit more... It's weird to say the movie about dinosaurs coming back to life is uh, more scientifically grounded, in a way. <laughs> but <laughs> sure. only in the sense that dinosaurs did at one time exist. And while it's very debatable how accurate they are, it's the best guess. It was the best guess mm-hmm. at the time. Right? More information right. might have popped up since, but <laughs> it was the best guess. Uh, whereas... Ants this size. I mean, maybe someone will tell me that maybe maybe back in like, you know, maybe back in dinosaur times there were ants this size. I, I, I don't know. I don't think so. But I don't think so either. But um, I don't know. In the movie, they only go back fifty billion years, or fifty million years. Excuse me. <laughs> I was going to say fifty billion does predate <laughs> the <Yeah>. dinosaurs. <laughs> fifty million years. Yes, because uh, sixty-five million years is uh, what I always remember. Yeah. Probably because of Jurassic Park, because it was on the poster. Mm-hmm. A movie 65 million years in the making. Uh, yes. <laughs> so I, I remember. That was, that was the joke, that's the joke yes. Uh, but no, it's a fun time. Uh, them is... You, you got practical ants, obviously, uh, which are, you know, big puppets. And I, I think... What I like about this movie is that it starts off as kind of a mystery of... I mean, we know it's ants because it's the the poster and like I'm sure the marketing wasn't hiding what it was, mm-hmm. but the movie plays out as, wait, something something big did this. Like, what could this be? And it's about the investigation. They, they really play up the detective side of it and sort of trying to figure out what the hell is going on. Uh, and I think that's a smart... I think that's a smart play. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think for me, uh, I would say the movie sags a little bit in the middle. Um probably around the big expo because it, this is the thing when we get to the exposition dump where the scientist you know the the englishman uh gives us his like explanation of ants and talks about what they're doing and how these other nests are going to be dangerous and why we have to do this otherwise they're going to dominate earth as the as the as the as the you know the species the dominant species of the planet uh 
like it doesn't surprise me that's the section that i'm kind of the, the dullest on but i i really felt like most of what he said in that in that sequence he'd already kind of said most of it like gradually over the course of all the scenes this was like a recap for like the the officials in the scene but for the audience i felt like you're mostly just recapping things you've already said there's like maybe one or two small details that came up in this mm-hmm. whole section and the reason why I think I got, it got stronger again towards the end is because it became an investigation again. It became about questioning people, looking for where these these nests are. But so it kind of it swung back round to kind of what the movie felt like it, it started off as, which is using clues, talking to witnesses, finding out what's going on. Um, and I think that's where the, the strength of it lies because so many movies come out in this time period that are big monsters, you know, attacking people, and it's people screaming at puppets and whatever else. I think this having that detective bent on it, not, I'm sure there's some other ones that do as well, but th- that kind of gave that, this its hook to me. Whereas, okay, this is its storytelling hook, as opposed mm-hmm. to we just see an ant in the first scene and someone screams and it's about hunting. It's about the army hunting the ants. I was glad that it went a long time before it delved like, right into that kind of tropey part mm-hmm. of it. I think it has a pretty strong opening scene too. I think the stuff with the little girl is is effectively creepy. And when you first hear the the noise that the ants are making, like this, uh, I guess is supposed to be like a like a psionic thing that they're putting out. That um, it's it's done using tree frogs. It's a chirpy sound that the ants are making to communicate. I think when you first start to hear that, that's effectively creepy. It's just. I, th- I think for the the type of movie it is, it's it's fairly well directed, and um, yeah, it's it's a strong opening for sure. Yeah, for the era, I, I, basically that that gets into what I was saying about how it, it treats like a mystery at the start. So you know, you, mm-hmm. so you see this girl who's traumatized and she's not speaking. The detectives see the like this the, the camper van where the, there's like a a hole in it, but it's like it's a hole that's come from the inside, which does beg the question. How did the ant get inside the van first to break out of it? I think he was saying it was ripped open. Not from the inside, but like pulling it out. Like, I, I thought he said it was being ripped open. Because I think that, cause the exact line, I think, I mean, I can't remember the exact words, word for word here. But I, I think the sentiment of the line was, this wasn't caved in, it was caved out. Which to me implied yeah. it was something coming from the inside, which is what it looks like. It looks like something bashed its way out from inside but that would suggest the ant got inside somehow without or he was like a like a scientist who was studying ants when the radiation hit yeah and the ant just got big inside the case (laughs) i mean maybe it was smaller when it went in maybe it was only like a dog sized ant when it first went in and then it (laughs) and then it increased inside the I don't know. <laughs> yeah, uh, I thought they were describing it being like ripped open from outside because uh, inside would maybe, uh, yeah, like they would go with an explosion, and I, I think they're trying to rule out explosion. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, you've, you've got all these little teases, and it's like, okay, the girl's not speaking, their parents are missing. What is going on? So uh, yeah, that 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 mystery plays into it and it, it gives us some a nice build to actually finally seeing them for the first time it's not just here's a monster in the first scene and away you go uh, and I, th- I think that build helped out a lot because there's definitely other sci-fi movies of this era where i feel like it does just jump to the the, the money shot a bit too quickly and as a result the pacing kind of hurts it still has it still has some of the problems though of, of movies of this era i think the characters are very thin you know like a lot of the mm-hmm. sci-fi movies of this era 
the characters are you know the the only thing we have really is a a character with an arc who has something to go other than just their job role is probably the main police officer who's in this opening scene because his partner's left to guard a crime scene like in the second or third scene and he is killed off it's off screen we don't get to see it we just hear kind of the noise and the gunshots and this cop's killed by the ants and he feels guilty because he left his partner there and he has a little bit of now admittedly it's very thin because he kind of just like You'd almost forget that that happened for most of the movie until right towards the end where he kind of gets to play hero and ultimately, and we're in spoilers, I'll, you know, I'll give us the warning, ultimately sacrifices himself to save some kids. It's like he finally gets to, like in his own eyes, redeem himself and sort of mm-hmm. sacrifice himself for someone else. Uh, so it's kind of the... He gets the, a, the big death too because he gets to like, we actually get to see the mandibles like wrapped around mm. him, throwing him around and stuff. There's no like gore or anything, but... For the most part, everybody's killed off screen. Yeah, he gets him picked up and stuff. It, but it's that's what I'm saying. So it's the only character thing in the movie, really. That's like a proper, yeah. like a proper arc, a proper bit of drama. Uh, and even then, it's it's kind of thin because it does. The movie feels like it forgets about it. Like, and it's honestly a little bit weird because I I was sort of like because he's like the uniformed police officer who's on site for all these initial things, and then he helps the FBI agent who comes in. Who it felt like it was setting him up to be more the main character. But mm-hmm. this, oh, uni- definitely. this uniform police officer though ends up staying with them to the point where he's like swapped his uniform for a suit and he's like he's helping him investigate everything for the rest of the movie. And I'm like, why are you still on this? Wouldn't you just like stop being a part of this at a certain point? Because yeah. it's above your pay grade. I, I, it was kind of weird. Um, it's not like it's a small town. It's Los Angeles that they're in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're on the outskirts, obviously, for the start because they're out in the like, desert. If this was the but... blob, it's like, okay, they only have like two sheriffs yeah. in the whole town, <laughs> you know? yeah um well does it start in la though is, is this opening no stuff? it starts in uh new mexico yeah that's what i thought yeah so i don't think he's actually an la cop i think obviously they're in la for all the climax stuff because that's all in the city mm-hmm. but uh all the stuff in the first half i think is in new mexico which makes sense given that it's you know but, yeah I mean, it's definitely like filmed in palmdale and called new oh, mexico sure. but like i mean it's yeah. a desert whatever is it desert <laughs> You know, yeah. I mean, you can't claim it's the Sahara Desert, but you can claim it's another American <laughs> desert. It's fine. Yeah, maybe, maybe as north as Mojave or something. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, that's like whatever. But I, I, I think that's the closest it gets to having a character thing. Not that there's not character quirks and stuff, because there is a little thing just to give them a little bit of personality. But the other characters mm-hmm. don't have any drama. They don't have any like weight to them or anything. And yeah. Uh, it is what it is. It doesn't necessarily need it, but it's kind of why these movies are still B movies, even though they were, you know, we think of them as being these classics that are responsible for influencing a lot of filmmakers that made really important films to us. But I don't think these were regarded. I mean, they're regarded in a mainstream way highly, I'm sure. But you know, like th- this is coming out in the same year as Seven Samurai, which admittedly, yes, I'm not saying American audiences were seeing Seven Samurai for the most part, but uh, you know. These are not prestigious yeah, A-tier films. Like, no, no, no. I think this is like another summer blockbuster movie. Yeah. I mean, but before like the term blockbuster came about, but it's yes. just like, it's hot. People want to go sit in the movie theater with their loved ones and watch something spooky for for an hour and a half. Yeah, and the... Uh... <laughs> so the other characters, as we're talking about characters, we'll, we'll stick on them for a bit. So you have a scientist man who's like a fat British guy who he's very, 
he, he does have a character. He has kind of this, he actually sort of gets so frustrated with having to use like the uh, the call signs on the helicopter when he's using the uh, the comms. Uh, he, he's so pissed off that he's been told that he has to say it over and over and out that he eventually just sort of goes. <laughs> Like, you know, does, I haven't seen this movie noise. since I was a kid, but I definitely remembered that whole scene. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know uh, why that one stuck with me. Yeah. Uh, what stuck out to me, though, in terms of being dated, though, is that our one female character, the way she's introduced, like, made me... I, ca- I cackled with laughter at just how, like, how shameless it is. <laughs> yeah. And the um, the guy, like, the love interest, I guess, um, who sounds a lot like Peter Graves, and I kept thinking, is that Peter Graves? And he has a name that's totally different. But it turns out it's Peter Graves' Graves' brother. Mm. (laughs) So that's why they sound so alike. Anyway. And like, he tries to call her doctor and stuff. And she's she's like, oh, you don't have to call me doctor if it makes you uncomfortable. (laughs) Like calling a woman a doctor. (laughs) Yeah, well, to go back to to their intro, they go and pick up. Because she's the daughter of the scientist man. And yeah. they're getting off the plane, and she gets stuck like climbing down the ladder. And so the, our first introduction of her is just her legs. And it cuts back to the like, FBI man and the, the, the policeman, and they're just sort of like going, ooh. <laughs> like, ooh. it plays it as a, ooh, there's sexy legs coming down the plane. And yeah. then when she's introduced herself as a doctor and they walk off, FBI man turns to the police guy and says, hey, if she's the sort of doctor that cures sick people, I, feel like, I think I'm coming down with something. <laughs> and it plays it as just, like Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> but she's uh, also one of the guys because she's ready to go into action. Oh, not with that. Afraid of ants. Not without a fight though. Remember yeah. what he says to her when she tries to go with them out of the nest. What was the first one? No. Uh, the, the what they say to her is uh, she's like, I'm, you know, because like, why are you all dressed up? So like, well, I'm coming with you. And she's like, No, you're not. That this is no place for any woman. And something else to that effect it was it was like really just usual yeah it, yeah it was like a debate because she's a woman she can't go down there and her argument is well my father's too physically incapable because he's old and fat and <laughs> can't climb and shit uh <laughs> so I, I you know he's a scientist she's someone who knows what they're looking for down there which is me so i'm coming uh the sad part is though is that i feel like after this her character is just nothing yeah, like there's nothing else but they're after this, really. Because like, you you said love interest, and I agree that it feels that like they're setting them up to be love interest for each other, but they kind of don't do anything with it after that. No, not really. But they they basically have uh, you can just call me you know Pam or whatever or no Pat it was Patricia Pat It's like oh I'd like to Pat It's like that's okay and then that was kind of it basically <laughs> like there wasn't much after that. <laughs> you don't have to call me doctor if it makes you uncomfortable calling a woman a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> doctor don't be ridiculous <laughs> yeah uh, um, I think I I did read in the trivia that this movie had like the, the, the studio didn't have very much confidence in it so like they kept cutting the budget like it was supposed to originally the big ending was supposed to happen at like the Santa Monica Pier but that was too expensive and then it was supposed to be made in color but like two days before shooting like they cut that and there were supposed to be some scenes in 3D, but they cut that. That's why you get like flamethrowers to the camera and stuff like that. Scenes that were obviously set up for 3D. And um, I think, I, I don't know, I think maybe the ants look better because it's black and white. Because they look fine, you know, but I think I would have liked it in color. I think it would have been more interesting to look at and just an interesting movie. 
we don't get a lot of you know color sci-fi films from this time what's interesting to me about this is that the uh the opening title is in color right uh, it uh yeah so it starts black and white then it's, it's a black and white movie obviously it's filmed in black and white and part of that is because black and white film is cheaper uh although by the time you get to the mid 50s most bigger film you know like you know hitchcock has switched to color by this but you know with the obvious exception of psycho which was later but that was a choice that was like a, a specific choice to shoot that in black mm-hmm. and white for, for artistic reasons um but it was it was cheaper to shoot in black and white and obviously you're not shooting to do that because the, the title them is in red and i thought that was kind of weird because I've, i don't think i've ever seen that before in an old black and white movie and it makes sense though because you don't have to shoot it you're just coloring it you know it doesn't i don't think it costs that much to add the color onto just the text that you're at because you have to yeah. add the text in anyway and it made me think though and I, maybe someone out there will know this but i presume that back in the day when movie theaters switched to be able to project color i assume that they had to get new projectors i assume that the old projectors only did black and white and i was wondering if because it was probably like an expensive process like switching the projectors out, i was wondering if like movie theaters because a fair amount of black and white was still coming out and there was a certain amount of color movies coming out i was wondering that if theaters at the time like had like you know screens you know one and two would be color but screens three and four will be black and white because there wasn't multiplexes back then maybe even four screens is too many in this example but maybe they'd have a designated room or theater for just black and white and i was wondering if Something happened to the stars, though. That was weird. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> we went to warp drive for a second. <laughs> Engage. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> so, but I was wondering, does that mean that, because presumably the reason why they let them do this is that if they send this out and they play it in a black and white projector, it, it's not a big deal. It'll just show up as a dark gray or a black instead of, you know, red. And it, it doesn't mm-hmm. affect it. I don't think you lose anything from this movie if the, if the title's not in red. But I was thinking that a lot of theaters when they showed this if they were showing it on theaters that were you know still just designated as the black and white theaters they might not like audiences might not have gotten the red title but otherwise there's no reason not to just throw it in there because it doesn't you know these days it doesn't matter <laughs> but yeah i don't know I, I, I know it's such a simple little thing to be thinking about that a lot of audiences but it's an odd decision because the whole movie is black and white yeah but there's no reason why the titles that you're adding in later can't be in color so yeah. it, so it made me think like well, why wouldn't more movies do this from the time period? And then I thought, well, maybe because they know that a lot of theaters will show them in black and white anyway, because they'll probably be in black and white only projectors, and that's fine. But at the same so time, you want to like, get the right balance. But if you're sa- not using color, yeah. But at the same time, it's like yeah, but a red red just shows up as black anyway, or close to black and mm-hmm. black and white. So it's like yeah, you can kind of get away with it. So on the one hand, I understand why more didn't do it because they knew a lot of theaters wouldn't show. You, they wouldn't put it in a, into the color projector just for the titles, right? They, they weren't going to waste their their black and white or their color because a lot of movie theaters back then would have had maybe two screens, right? That was sure. probably quite common. So they aren't going to waste their one color screen on a movie that just happens to have a color title at the start and then the rest of it's in black and white. They're going to they're going to put in it's 1954. What was playing Rear Window? They're going to put Rear Window into the the big color theater and then the small black and white theater will play them. Like that's probably what's going to happen. I mean, they probably come out different times of the year. It's just an example. I but the hell, even then at the time, you know, movies were didn't come out in the same day everywhere that they do now. They 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 toured. You know, you you'd have them in a couple of t- you know or a state maybe for a few weeks, and then they'd move on to another state. It wasn't like everything got got the movie at the same time. That was something that 
grew over time and you know by the time you get to the yeah. 80s and you have multiplexes and then everywhere started getting movies at the same time and so on but anyway that was a bit of a tangent based on just the fact that the title was in red despite that it was a black and white it movie isn't, yeah but, it's that's something we see every day but it gave me I, I, I genuinely started like for the rest of those opening titles i had something to think about which was nice because you know titles can be boring if, if the music's mm-hmm. not interesting the music sounded a lot like this island earth the same era same same style i'm sure there's a good chance they're both mimicking the same template yeah <laughs> that would surprise Here's me just sci-fi sheets of paper <laughs> in the same way with um like when you watch friday the 13th the first one you can tell they're just ripping off psycho like it's like this is just mm-hmm. based off the psycho score yeah i think i remember that actually yeah so that would surprise me um yeah but uh yeah so the the answer the ads look good for you know, for the time period i, I think it looked fun mm-hmm. uh there's never more than three on screen because that's all they could build <laughs> yeah it's, it's not world war z style yeah. <laughs> like tons of ads crawling no, around. and they're pretty you know they're pretty slow moving it's like you know moving a couch around <laughs> a film set but that's why mandibles. that's why it makes sense to build the film a bit around the mystery and like you know yeah. try to find them because then you don't have to like, show them as much uh, yeah but i do it's... like when they like peek out through the like they start digging through walls and stuff and you can see the heads pop out and the, the mm. sounds they make like, i think they do a pretty good job with the monster movie effects oh yeah no I, I like the monster movie effects um and i like the uh so to go back to just kind of the plot i guess then uh the start of the movie we get the, the destruction uh the, the cops killed our main policeman is uh, uh, Peterson. Yeah, Sergeant Peterson. Uh, he's like distraught about it. But very quickly, he's, he's with the FBI guy. They bring in the scientist. And they look at the foot... Because there was a footprint, right? That was the big bit. That was a big clue they had was there's a footprint. And it's like, oh, what the hell is this? It could be anything. And the scientist is oh, he's like, you know, where was that nuclear bomb testing done? Was that nearby? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that was in the area, wasn't it? Uh, it's true. Uh, the main... The main cop, by the way, is uh, plays Brooks in Shawshank Redemption, so you probably recognize his eyebrows. Do you know? I can I can see it. I, yeah. it obviously, he's a much older man in that movie, but it's the eyebrows. I, I give can, him away. I can see. It. I think I've seen him in other things from this time period, though, because he, he seems he seems familiar anyway, just in a a, a general sense. Yeah, like his young his younger self seems familiar too. Yeah, like if I go back to the fifties here, and he's uh. I'm just going to scan it for a second and see if I, I, I notice anything that I might have seen. Nothing's sticking out to me, but, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me mm-hmm. to see the Twilight Zone or something somewhere that I can't place, but, yeah. yeah I mean, he's good. He's, he's you know, he's... he's I, I think... Yeah, I like he's got it. the most character. He's got the most character, but I also think he's much more likable, partly because of the character, but partly because the FBI guy is just like, here's your handsome leading man. And he's a bit bland yeah. because of that. He's a bit, he's bland because he's just typical handsome Hollywood man. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I think that's kind of where I stand on those. But uh, but they they go to where they think the nest might be, or they, they're in a helicopter at first, and they, they sort of go looking. Uh, yeah. No, no, they go because they go through the they have, they put the goggles on first, right, and they go walking through that one area. Well, yeah. Uh, they where they found the girl. They have a helicopter. There's like two teams. I think the daughter is in the helicopter. Oh, they're both in the helicopters. The oh yeah, never mind. But there's two teams. There's definitely one yeah. that's on the ground, and then 
in the cop cars. But like I, I think the scene where they they find uh, like another footprint and they actually see the ants for the first time in person. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's before the helicopter scene because that's when they're looking for the net. So I think because this is the first time we see them. This is where you know uh, she almost gets attacked. They have goggles. Um, I laughed at the start of this scene. This you know the doctor, the scientist is meant to be this. You know, expert in his field, he's got PhDs, and he's he's there, he's he's you know, top of the class, and <laughs> the 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 sergeant has to tell him to, oh, those goggles are for your eyes, and he's like, oh yes, that's much better, thank you. I was like, yeah, and they still they're still like all like cockeyed and stuff. He had the the cop has to like assist him to like get the goggles on straight as well. Yeah, you're right. That was a funny scene. It, it's funny and it, it's like cutesy funny. Yeah, this it's this is just kind of a little like you're supposed to be smart. You're <laughs> <laughs> supposed to be the smart one. And like watching the the police officer like not tell him he's dumb for doing it and just mm. like helping him out is like a sweet moment for him. Yeah, he comes across he comes across nice enough because of this. Um Yeah. Whereas some of the scenes with uh, the FBI man later on, he actually they he comes across another way actually, because there's a scene later on when they're looking for the nest where a pilot has been held at a psychiatric ward because he claims he saw something. UFOs? Well, they, 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 labeled, like ants. they labeled it as UFOs. It was actually flying ants, but uh, that's that's what it you know, went down in the book size. It went down as he says he's seen, seen a UFO. And they go and question him, basically just for the direction of where they were flying. But on their way out, the, the doctor who's looking after this guy is like, Oh yeah, I think this may be like just he's, he's, there's nothing wrong with him mentally. I think maybe he's lying for publicity or something. And FBI man's like, no, you're going to keep him locked up and just pretend that he's crazy for a while because we don't want this getting out to the public. How cruel! <laughs> I know it's super. Like, all right, all right. I'm kind of rooting for the ants at this point. <laughs> so yeah. that stuck out to me, but yeah. Uh, but no, you, you get your classic monster because this is this is the thing when you go back to the the female character being asexualized, B. I mean, I said okay, in its favor, it's is making a point of having her be a smart character who is fighting back against everyone, assuming that she shouldn't be involved. So yeah. th- there is something there. I, I can't just completely villainize the movie. Completely yeah, she's not that. um like, is it uh. It's- Sophia Loren or whoever is in um, Fantastic Voyage. Oh yeah, yeah, which is just there to be in the tight costume and. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She she has she has more than that. She has some more progressive elements than that. But at the same time, you kind of feel like her character only exists because they want the first time we see an ant on screen, they want a woman to be in danger because that's the more classic, you know, vulnerable situation. Yeah. Is that a woman that's screaming. what's on the poster. Yeah. And you know the men have to come in and save her with their guns and their flamethrowers and whatever. Yeah. Uh, and they do actually kill this first ant. They, you know, they, they basically this scientist man's like, "Hey, they shoot the antenna. It can't function without them." And that's how they kind of take it down. So it's like, okay, they're not indestructible. They can be taken down. It's obviously it's just a case of there's there's too many of them and we have to deal with it. But uh, that kind of sets us up from there. Uh, and that's when we get the helicopter scenes when they're looking for the nest and they're they're bickering over the over the radio. And, and whatnot but uh and they go into the net after after they flood it with cyanide i think they said yeah <laughs> flood it with cyanide is that how you kill insects <laughs> you just spray cyanide all over your house uh i mean to be fair they do make you leave well you know they do you know they, they put up a big tent and make you leave right so maybe it could be cyanide 
I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Every can of Raid is just a can of spray-on cyanide. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to assume that maybe the uh, the the bug killing technology has progressed maybe since 1954. Maybe maybe we have better <laughs> options now than cyanide. Yeah. I love that. I love the idea though that everything was more extreme because they didn't have the better option. So like back in the thirties, like how are we going to kill this rat? I've got anthrax in the cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's more extreme. Um. So yeah, they go away, and there's a couple of nice little jump scare moments where there's like an ant, or there's a couple of dead ants at first, and then they see some more. They find a chamber though where the eggs were, and it's like, oh wait, the new queens have left, and that's kind of the big thing from that point on. Yeah, there's is... three I think that have escaped. Yeah, what one of which? Why does the third one die then? Because there's one who actually makes a nest in the LA River, which is obviously the big climax. There's yeah. one who dies, uh, because it ends up in the war, right? Because there's the whole thing with the boat. Which again, mu- yeah. much, much, much like the pilot who they're keeping locked up in the in the hospital, they they basically tell this ship who actually saw the giant ants to remain at sea <laughs> until the, <laughs> until they're ready to go public, so none of the sailors will blab. <laughs> yeah. Now you ain't dock. I don't care how many people are injured from giant ants. You're staying out there in the water. Right. I don't know how the third one died. I guess um I guess I missed him. It, I mean obviously it was probably off screen just oh, yeah, in yeah. a story or something but Yeah, I can't remember. But, but, they, the, but the, the the pilot did say he saw three flying UFOs that, and that's I'm pretty probably, sure there were three eggs that we looked at. Yeah, that's probably why not of us could remember it is because it was probably just a, a a line like a passing line of dialogue. Uh yeah. but um yeah, so from here, it's kind of like, okay, this is, this, cause this is the middle part where I think it sags a little bit because it is mostly expl- explaining the ants. This is where we get our big scene with the exposition, which is mostly redundant at this point. Uh, it's also where we get a lot of this looking for where they are, which I think is good once there's more of a direct case. Well, see, once we get to the point mm-hmm. where, okay, so there's a car turned up and there's a dead body in it, and but this guy had two kids with him. He had his two sons. It's like, okay, so there's missing children who may still be alive, and mm, because so he can't he's... flood the cave with cyanide. Yeah, and uh, which yeah makes it harder. So that gives him a more difficult task, which is good escalation, right? In a script, yeah. you know, you make it more difficult. It's not just as easy as it was the first time. I like how they, there's one guy like, should we just kill the kids? <laughs> I mean, is it really worth keeping two kids alive? For I mean, the they're rest of the human race. They're in the way. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, there's a cold hard logic to are two kids worth the entire human race? I mean, yeah. like, I mean, cold hard numbers. I mean, I mean I'm you, not willing to make that choice. You you told me before we started that Lemon Nemo had a cameo in this, and I, I didn't notice him. Uh, but to yeah. quote to quote his character, the needs of the many <laughs> outweigh the needs <laughs> of the few. Yeah, he has a blink and you'll miss him moment. He doesn't yeah. even have a line. I didn't recognize him, uh, but what I said to Tara was that if I heard him speak, I'd have known it was him. But he never had a line. Oh yeah. He 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 walks on. He walks off. And yeah, <laughs> he reads something silently. <laughs> I mean, this this is what they saw. This is like what the Star Trek producers when they were looking for a, for 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 the young Mister Spock. They yeah. they saw him. I read... bet that guy would be great reading through a blue light tra- <laughs> trapezoid. <laughs> man look at the way he's reading off that page i believe he's reading that yeah what an actor 
What an actor. He's a real pro. <laughs> Someone get this uh, uh, Nimoy fellow on the phone. Get this man some ears. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. But yeah, this is where the movie picks up for me again, though, is because it's, uh, it's like, okay, they've got a goal. It's a bit more focused and it's something they can actually look into. Um, not to say that some of these plot beats aren't a little bit silly or, or, or whatever, but like there's something, there's like a through line to follow now where it feels like there's a, a key thing. So like they, they talk to like the police officers who found the uh, the car and the body and like, hey, was there anyone you arrested that day? Like anyone who may have seen something? They're like, oh yeah, a couple of drunks and uh, a woman who was speeding. And the woman was like, I didn't see anything. I was, I was running, I was, why are we driving 60 miles per hour? Oh, I was, I spent the night with a sick friend and... Well, I don't, I don't want his wife to know. <laughs> it's like, all right, you can go. Uh, and the two drunk guys are like, where's the third drunk guy? And it turns out the third drunk guy who's actually in the hospital, because he's always there uh, because mm-hmm. of his, his drunkenness, um, who, they kind of play this guy for laughs because he just kind of yells like silly things constantly. Uh, I wasn't yeah. super fond of the performance, but he did see some ants and he saw tiny planes which sounded a bit funny at first, but it turns out to be like a, a remote control plane that the kids played with. Uh, and yeah, so. Yeah. But, uh, we've seen this guy before. He was in the blob. He was the old man who gets the blob from the stick. Oh, at the start? Was that him? The, mm-hmm. Oh. Damn, he's got, he's got a career. If he had survived... He's I mean, got I, a career out of being an old man in a monster film. I already brought up Friday the 13th, but if he'd survived until 1980, he'd have been Crazy Ralph, I bet you. Yeah, <laughs> probably. It's got a death curse. Um, yeah, oh, that's, that's nuts. I didn't realize that was him. Um, so that's cool. Uh, but this leads them to the LA River, which uh, I didn't know was a river until like a few years ago when someone uh, told me. Yeah, the beautiful LA River. So, 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 so natural. So, so someone referred to... <laughs> Because I, I, I think I, I thought I was talking about Terminator 2 or something, right? And I was trying to describe where they're having the chase, right? It's the LA River. And someone <laughs> said, you mean the river? I'm like... And, and they thought I was dumb for not knowing that was the river. I'm like, what do you mean a river? Where's the water? <laughs> I mean, I've never seen a river with or without water. It never occurred to me <laughs> that that could be classed as a river. Yep. All of our water comes from... Well, not all of it, but like most of it comes from the mountains in like northern california so if they don't get snow we don't get water was, was it ever uh was, was does it, is, is it ever like actually like full has it ever been full um yeah i've seen like when it rains okay yeah i've seen some <laughs> water in there Wild. but usually it's just like yeah pretty stagnant maybe a couple of feet <laughs> across <laughs> <laughs> and of course the whole thing is made of concrete mm-hmm Yes. It's our concrete river. The beautiful Los Angeles River. We gotta get our water from somewhere. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> um, <I> just, <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's just, it's just it's so... Uh, that, that's, that's realization like five years ago when I found out that that chase in Terminator 2 this whole time was taking place in a river uh, yep. was mind-blowing to me. But regardless... Uh, so it's like, okay, so they're in the, the, the tunnels and stuff off the side of the river, the sewer ducks. Uh, which I think is actually... I, I actually think this is a better place for the finale than the uh, what you said. You said it was going to be mm-hmm. the pier at first. Yeah. 
Uh, no, I, I think it makes sense for ants to burrow underground and to see an opening that looks kind of like a, an anthill opening. It, it also kind of means that the start of their nest, because it's all like tunnel systems anyway that they make, this, the mm-hmm. start of the nest being just the tunnels that are already there. Oh, so it's like an easy job for them. Of course they'd pick this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it makes sense. And it's uh, and it's kind of creepy because those tunnels go a lot of places. Yeah. Uh, we're under the city. Uh, it also means there's a lot of different things they can do down there. Because, like, you know, part of this takes place you know, when they eventually find the kids who are alive and they're stuck in, like, a little trap. They're... They're at, like, a abandoned station that still has power, so they're about to turn some lights on. So it's like, oh, I mean, it's a bit convenient, but, you know, we need light to see things in a movie, so <laughs> I'm okay with it. Right. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. and, you know, we get our main character, uh, Sergeant Pearson, gets to have his big... Sac- Again, why he's still working with the FBI man and walking around in a suit as if he's a detective now working for the FBI, I don't know. I mean, maybe you could argue that because they don't want the public to know about this, that the cop who he's knows about recruited. this... Yeah, he's Yeah, because he already knows about everything already, it's just easier to include him now instead of roping in more agents or who it's more people who might reveal this to someone accidentally. Sure. It's the, it's the only but if he comes from a you. small town in New Mexico and then his partner died, then who's going to be left there to sheriff the town he's from? There was there was one other cop in the station. He had like a boss. Okay, okay. So he's, there's this one. There's one sole policeman <laughs> remaining for the small town. Just working 24-hour shifts for a little bit. Is, is it a sheriff in New Mexico? I don't know. Yeah, he didn't look like a sheriff to me, but then, then again, I, I, I'm hardly an expert in... The difference between a sheriff and uh, a chief and a commissioner and a whatever, whatever all the other variations are, state to state. I really have no idea. Yes. See, when I was younger, I thought uh, a trooper, a state trooper, I mm-hmm. thought that was just a road thing. Like, that's just like the, the, the highway police, because I didn't understand that different states had just completely different terminology for their police. Yeah. And I assume that's because the first time I saw something referred to as a state trooper is because it was someone being pulled over on the highway. But um, I, I, I always associated them with that. I never occurred to me they were just regular police in whatever state they were in. But I don't even know what they're called here in California. I mean, they're highway patrol is what I see the most because I'm on the highways a lot. Sure. But I don't know if you refer to them as a trooper. Well, no, because that's what I'm saying, though. Like they're... State troopers are just regular police in whatever state they call that in. Um, I think Elliot has a sheriff. Yeah, we definitely have sheriffs here. Yeah. Which is funny, because when I, th- when I think of a sheriff, I think of a small town. I, yeah. I think of a small town, and I think of a sheriff having like a cowboy-looking hat with a badge on it. That's a sheriff. <laughs> right. This is what well, there's plenty of me. desert here. <laughs> yeah. Where's... <laughs> Yeah, where's yeah, LA aviators. police? Yeah, LA police. I think <laughs> of is just having the dark uniforms. Uh, yeah, you think of the the T T one thousand. Yes, whereas a New York cop, I expect to have a white shirt instead of a dark shirt or a horse. Yeah, or a horse. They have cavalry. Yeah, in New York, they have like oh sure police okay. on. They have cops on horses. Hey, we have police and horses in Scotland. I've seen that. I don't know why, but they do. I'm sure we do here too. I just never see them. 
Yeah, I don't see them that often, but every once every once in a blue moon you'll see you'll see and then sometimes you'll see some just horse shit just lying on the <laughs> road. It's just such a New York thing. Like whenever you yes. see a cop on a horse, it's like oh because they're in New York. It's be- is it because they can ride around the traffic jams? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <in> the <horse? laughs> maybe. Maybe it's just a Central Park thing. Yeah, it may just be Central Park. Because um, I would f- I would feel like a motorbike would probably be even better than a horse. Like, to, if you wanted to just dart around the, the traffic jams if it was an emergency. But Yeah. I don't know. What- <laughs> a lot of tangents in this. I, this, is, this is always a, a thing with these... Uh, relatively simple B movies is I think we tend to go into tangents a bit more because it's not as uh deep. And I know someone's gonna be like, yes, but it's the atomic age, it's about the, the consequences of nuclear po- you know, bombs and power and all that jazz. And like, yeah. oh it is. And you know, the the scientist makes a speech, obviously they save the kids, uh they come in with some flamethrowers, they find the the nest with where the, the new queens will come out and they're like, nope, they're not hatched yet, we're safe, we can burn them. And we end with a little monologue from Scientist Man where he says you know, when man opened the door into the nuclear age, no one knew what world that would take us to, and blah blah blah, and that's it. You know, like that's it, tampered in God's domain. It's not ultra deep. Obviously, you can kind of make it work in the movie, and that all these consequences are from us messing with nuclear bombs, and as a result, you know, there's consequences to that action, and these answer the consequences. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't know, like. It's it's not so deep that I am convinced that it's not just an excuse to have your fun monster movie as opposed to, like I mean sure the, sure the idea came from that that story about the the flowers being enlarged and like someone said hey that can make a fun movie I'm not so much sure though this is like when a movie's made with a really strong message in mind whereas like mm-hmm. we really want to say something about this as opposed to oh this is a good excuse to make a movie about some giant animal <laughs> right um. Like, you know, maybe it's just differences in era. Maybe, maybe they just didn't want to be. It, it, it's somehow thinner, but also more heavy-handed than what a modern movie would maybe do with a message like this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't really get a lot of monster movies these days about the atomic age, but no, of course not. <laughs> but if you did, I mean, I suppose we have like Kong versus Godzilla and stuff, but it's. Or excuse me, Godzilla versus Kong. <laughs> but yeah, you put the right still... one first. <laughs> but they're still more like um, they're not like awoken because of nuclear age anymore. It's more of like uh, dealing with how humans just disrespect the planet that they're on in general. It tends to be more of an environmental message now. Yeah, what which is totally fine. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I uh it, it it's hard to say much more I think about movies like this. It's not that there's not a lot of nice little touches, right? It's not that there's not good moments for for some of the the monsters, the characters per se. But you know, they ultimately are a bit thinner. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think that's ultimately makes them a B movie, right? I think Yeah. It kind of reminds me of the original Blob that way. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I know we had like some stronger characters in that film, but it they tend to pad out like all the other characters. They would have this quirky comic relief thing, or they were just the town sheriff or something. But like, it, it's still fairly equivalent I would, monster movie to me. 
Yeah, I, I would say I like the plot more because of that, though, because there is characters. I think mean, yeah, they're a bit cliched, perhaps, but at least there is character. I mean, yeah, sure. I don't buy Steve McQueen as this goody teenager character when he's like 30. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. but at least on paper. Trying to it, smoke a cigarette behind his back <laughs> between scenes. But at least, you know, it, there is character. There is this idea of like, and it's not always perfect. I'm sure we critiqued how they handled some of the, the character dynamics and what the story was supposed to be. But at least there was an attempt and there was a feeling yeah. that there was, there was a character there. Whereas other than the one character, other than the Sergeant Peterson, everyone in this movie is just kind of what they are. I mean, okay, yeah. the scientist is a little bit of, Dry a, toast. of a child at times with his attitude. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, he's very dry and everyone else is very dry. Uh, there's not a whole lot of personality. Um, what's funny is sometimes we'll get comments in older movies where like, people who grew up with movies of this era will think we're being too judgmental and be like, what are you talking about? These characters aren't dry. Like, there's so much character. You're just too young. You're too young and millennial to, to see it. Uh, and I'm like, no. Like, char- like some things about movie making got better over time. <laughs> and I think... Uh, the characters in movies like this, you know, people. I, I, you know, we, we've reviewed Alien already, and I always bring up Alien as the movie that said, you know, we can do a movie like this, but it's like prestigious and has characters that are are, are much not necessarily have big arcs or anything like that because they don't, but uh, they have a lot more natural chemistry, a lot more of a realistic kind of vibe to them, uh, yeah. which owes a lot to uh, even something like Jaws, as you know, obviously that was a shark and not something as fantastical as anything else. Yeah, but the but... three main leads, like you yeah, remember great. them so well because you you want them to survive. You, you just want to hang out with them and sing sea chanties while drinking alcohol. And it's funny. <coughs> oh, hi, Foxy. It's funny to me though because most of the complaint that a lot of people have about the modern Godzilla movies and King Kong movies, the complaint that comes up more more than anything is the humans are a bit shit, right? Mm-hmm. That comes up even today. And I think it's, you know, to an extent, kind of true all the way back to this era. You can kind of feel the sense that the humans yeah. are a bit bland, just not interesting. We just for the need most part. somebody there to get to the monsters. Pretty much. Uh, and the ones that I think separate themselves are the ones where they, they, get, they break out of that mold a little bit. And I think this is yeah. remembered well because it's got fun effects and because it is, is an entertaining time. And the characters aren't actively unlikable by any means. Um, mm-hmm. The, but then the plot's fun. Like I say, the, the detective mystery side of it, then the first third and the last third, I think are pretty strong uh, and entertaining to watch. But, you know, I, I don't think it's a sci-fi classic. You know, in the same vein that, uh, you know, this is just a couple of years after Day of the Earth stood still, which is yeah. a film with a deep message and is something that tries... And yeah, sure, the goofy robot, robot effects don't hold up, but everything else about that film is trying to say something. It feels like it's got a real intent behind it. Yeah. I agree. That was a really, really strong film. Example of like trying to make the nuclear message out there. Yeah. The fear of the atomic age and why it's justified. Absolutely. And that and that felt like it was really because that was really getting at the idea of like us using nuclear weapons against other human beings. It was really about and the just conflict. The, the frustration and trusting in our government to make the right decisions. Yeah, so it felt like it had a lot more weight to it beyond just generally, oh, the atomic energy has caused something. <laughs> yeah. Which is fun, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not critiquing, like, movies like this should absolutely exist. I'm glad it exists, but uh, yeah. th- there's a hierarchy. There is a hierarchy, is all mm-hmm. I'm really saying. Uh, and this is this is definitely, well, it's a B movie. There's, there's a reason why that phrase exists. There they are, so still an A movie. This is a B movie. <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay. 
that's perfectly okay. Uh, I agree. So, you know, good stuff. Uh, it's a fun time. Um, I guess we're ready to rate it. What okay. would you like to give them? Them? Um, I do enjoy the movie. Um, I, it, I really was surprised how much like stuck with me from when I first saw it as a kid. Um, I do have some issues with it also. You're right, the characters are a bit thin. I do like the character of the police officer. Um, and the scientist, sometimes I like him. Um, mm-hmm. but for the most part, like everyone's pretty bland. And, um, and, but I like, I like the creature features. I like the, the creatures themselves, the ants. Uh, I liked, uh, you didn't really, you had to use your imagination for a lot of the deaths, but, um, I, I do appreciate that we got four, win- what is it? Four Wilhelm screams in this. <laughs> I, I, do you know what? I didn't notice all of them. I definitely know there's one towards the end when the soldiers are going in after. There's like, like one that happens back to back. There's one towards the end when the soldiers are walking in uh, to the tunnels where a beam just randomly falls on one of the soldiers mm-hmm. on, the, on the side, and just as he like as it lands, on, he's like, <laughs> <laughs> We get four of them in this film, and I, I appreciate that. So but maybe that's that I'm budget. In... That's that budget coming back into it. Where they, oh, we can't rec- right. we can't record more screams. <laughs> we, we, we make the... <laughs> to see the same one, the same stock one that we have. <laughs> um, I'm gonna give it a seven. Um, yeah, I'll probably give it a seven as well. Uh, I, I think it has a place in history. It has a lot of fun things going for it. Uh, but ultimately, there's a ceiling to to this uh type mm-hmm. of B movie, and that's okay. That's not to say that there's not a lot of fun to be had. Um, but it's very campy, of course, uh, and I think you have to enjoy that that side of it to get into it. Yeah. Uh, I will say we never really mentioned the, when the the little girl finally speaks. Uh, the the you know the scientist gives her like a like a because he, he what was it he asked for is it acid he asked for, uh, and yeah to wake her up yeah but her smelling. nurse is like acid is like oh just to wake her up and it's, it's, it's like but just uh, his request at face value sounds really extreme. When he just says, "Hand me some acid," <laughs> we've got to wake her up. <laughs> um, but yeah, as soon as she wakes up, she she says the title of the movie. She just screams and says, "Them!" and runs into the corner and cries. It is a kind of a strange title. It's a little bit awkward. Them with exclamation point uh, doesn't really say what it is, but um, and it, it's kind of awkward for. I think the when the little girl says it, it kind of comes out awkward. Um. But it happens naturally a couple other times in the film where they're talking. I think when they're talking about the um, the footprints and they'll say mm. like uh, them, they left this or something. I can't remember, but like it, it, was it comes out more natural. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think the title is kind of weird. And yeah, I agree that on face value it's not that good, but it's kind of because it's such an old movie because it's become kind of a like a, almost a. Not a meme title, but like people remember the, the like people remember mm. there's a movie called Them because it's such a, a silly sounding title, but yeah, it's so pulpy that it kind of has this vibe to it. It's kind of funny that that Amazon show called Them as well uh, this year, uh, which is a much more serious thing, you know, about this black family moving into a white neighborhood, which would you know Compton, <laughs> and in the fifties, and it, you know it's obviously it's just a supernatural, but it's got all these like social like themes and commentary going on. Um, and it's usually well in that where, but it's it makes more sense in that because it's about like two human groups referring to the others as them. So it comes across with a lot more 
like sinister like mm. malice in, in the voice and it's like right. you know like there'll be more of them if we don't get rid of the family you know the white characters say things like that but then also, also the black characters also refer to them as the people who are harassing them and it's, it almost like takes the word them and says how much meaning that word can have depending on who you are and who you're talking about whereas here it's just them the monsters <laughs> you know it's, it's <laughs> the pulpy cheesy side of it yeah yeah it is a bit awkward though I, I, I will say it's impossible to Google this shit. I hate, I hate titles that are hard to Google because it's just one basic word that... Yeah. You know? Like, I mean, I, I know that I care about the movie Lucy, but I hate titles that I was just Lucy. Like, you can't search for Lucy. You have to the the date of the film. Yeah. 150,000 people are named Lucy. <laughs> like, I'm going to get tons of results. <laughs> Nonsense. It's a weird complaint, but yeah, I guess it's valid. It's the noise, man. It's just the noise, Same with us, and again, us is a great title for that movie because it has so much like meaning, like because it's U.S. as well as mm-hmm. us, the word. But it just, come on, just like <laughs> throw throw another word down or something just to make it an obvious title because it just it's not enough. Yeah, you gotta use the date, us twenty nineteen. That sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> No, I agree. I mean, I I learned that trick too. I'm just saying. You know, it's they, an extra step. They think about this though. They think about searchability. They think about like, that's that's why the Sci-Fi Channel renamed their their channel to SYFY because they wanted a something they could completely own, and b something that there would be no confusion when you, confusion when you search that in Google, you're going to go straight to them, because yeah. that's, that's just true. what it is. But if you if you type you know the classic spelling of Sci-Fi. You'll go a bunch of things. You'll get a bunch of different sci-fi stuff. So it was a strategic move. I used to get the Sci-Fi Channel magazine when that was a thing mm. in the nineties. I remember being excited. I remember when I first got satellite and cable. Uh, I had satellite first, I think, and then we switched to cable mm-hmm. after a couple of years. Uh, but when I first got satellite, I had to say I was I was excited. Like see, seeing that little Saturn-esque logo in the corner. Oh yeah, yeah, it was yeah. Exciting. Got Mystery Science Theater. Got a. Uh... Lost in Space, a lot of Farscape, and I don't think Babylon 5 was ever on it, but Farscape was, um, sometimes you would get Trek, usually original Trek. Um, yeah, yeah, what, it was a good channel. Lots of lots of Stargate also. What's funny is that sci-fi stopped showing a lot of the things they used to, and the channel in the UK, and I don't watch broadcast TV anymore, but the channel in the UK that now reruns Star Trek and reruns a lot of those shows... Is actually the horror channel, uh, and the reason for that is because it shows horror. BBC America. <laughs> it shows horror movies at night, right? But as you'd expect, but because it can't show like you know the R-rated content before nine PM, it fills its schedule with those TV shows like for the daytime. Mm. So you get Star Trek. You, I think it shows Buffy and Angel as well, which fits more into the horror than Trek does. I agree, but the Soul um, Monster was kind of horrific. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, we're, 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 we're spinning off any tangents here. It's a fun movie. Them is a fun movie. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, uh, there, there is definitely a bigger... I, I'll just add on here. The actor who plays a scientist, because um, I, I recognize them. I recognize them specifically from The Trouble with Harry, the Hitchcock movie, which was like a year or two after this, I think. Um, he's also... He's most famous, though, and I've never seen this one, but he's most famous for playing uh, Santa in Miracle on 34th Street. Oh, yeah, yeah. The original one, obviously. Uh, yeah, 
I think he's the only actor who actually got a Oscar for playing Santa Claus. That's a really weird specific bit of trivia. Is it? Yeah. Mainly because I'm like, are you surprised? Like, you expected lots of actors to have Oscars for playing Santa? No, I didn't expect any. But he has one, and there's Wait. so many Santa parts. Do you think you Tim know? Allen was robbed? <laughs> <laughs> that movie's not bad. I liked it as a kid. I've not seen it since. I never saw the sequels. The sequels look bad from, from my oh, I didn't see the Jack Frost one with Martin Short, I think. That was the third one, I think. Yeah, I didn't see that one. Yeah, because that's the first two. Santa needed a nemesis. At least well, the poster made it look like that anyway. It looked like it was a villain. Yeah, it did. It was like uh, a versus. Yeah. No, it's just funny because it's just it's obviously just because of the time period. But I forget when I'm watching like an actor in a movie like this who's his his age because he lived till 1959. He was 81 when he passed away. Um, but I, it's just his birthday. Or his birthday is like 1877, and I'm like, well, that's so weird. Like he yeah. was born before movies even existed, and he really had a young daughter. <laughs> he did. He, uh, he was a player. She was he like was, 20. He 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 remarried a few times. This is actually his. His fourth, like, wife star. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's just it's just funny to me that uh, you don't know, think about the fact that for a long period there was, like, everyone was, like, basically inventing what filmmaking was and that there was actors who were born before filmmaking was a thing. It didn't exist yeah. when he was born. It didn't even exist until he was in his, like, 20s and even then not really till his 30s or 40s when you think of like Hollywood and you think of actual move, feature length movies yeah. and yeah. Maybe, my, maybe my dates are off a little bit there but you know my point remains regardless of the, the specific numbers uh, it's just interesting yeah no it makes sense I don't really think about it but I don't really see a lot of uh, 1877s behind actors names that's true What's the equivalent for our generation? Twitter? <laughs> I suppose. I don't know. That's what all, that's what all the Zoomers are be like, you were born before Twitter? <laughs> God, I hope that's not the thing that survives. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, I think social media in general would count. I would say internet. We grew, I mean, I don't know about you, but I remember a time without internet. Oh, so do, so do I, but... To, or, I, like, it, smartphones. It's, it's a technicality, though, because internet did technically exist, like, in the 80s. Yeah, and, just nobody had it. Yeah. So, yeah, I think in terms of the, the actual, like, mainstream use of internet, which I would say was more the mid to late 90s when that kind of started to... Because it was 2001 when I got internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I remember a time without internet, but... Uh, which, you know, for, for kids growing up now, that'll be, like... They won't remember yeah. a time without it. Or touchscreens, maybe. A time before yeah. touchscreens. Yeah. You have to use your hands. It's like a baby's toy. That's like a baby's toy. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that trilogy, everyone. Don't worry. There's plans. Trilogy is cursed. There's plans. All right. Uh, that'll be us. But this one was a little bit more tangenty. Hopefully that wasn't too uh, annoying. Sorry. <laughs> We're well, just a couple friends having a conversation. You guys are with us. Yeah, that's, hanging that, out. that's true. It's also true that, you know, it's a simpler movie that's only 90 minutes. Like, we would have been done probably like 35 minutes in if there was no tangent. So, uh, this is just to ensure you get a bit more random discussion to, to fill out things a little bit. Uh, but that has been Them from 1954. 
Uh, the new vote for patrons will... Ah, it'll be up already, because I'm, I'm, we're recording this like a week or so in advance, so the new vote will definitely be up <laughs> by the time this goes up. So if you're $5 or more on Patreon, make sure you go over there. But Tara, why don't you tell them about Patreon? Yeah, if you enjoy our reviews, please check out the Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash TV. And if you donate as those $1 per month, you will get access to bonus episodes of The Ace. So if you're looking for your favorite uh, B-movie, much less quality than this one, um, it's probably there or it's on the way. And uh, you can find transfers, some David Carradine stuff, some Garrett Graham movies. <laughs> All the finest. Were you listening more than usual there because I was off camera? Yes. <laughs> and if you donate $5 per month, you will get access to these episodes one day early and some other shows you get a week early and you get to vote. This was a vote winner. So mm -hmm. you can help determine what we watch. Yep, yep, you can do that. Uh, as worth mentioning as well, if you're a YouTube viewer, uh, I have started putting the exclusive bonus episodes up on YouTube as well for members. Uh, it's a little... All the other things you can only get at Patreon, but if you just want the bonus episodes, it's, it's uh, $2 a month to, to join the channel. But they are behind. They're two years behind. I just put up the first one. <laughs> Judge Dredd just went up on Male Fuzz Movies, which you can access if you are if you become a member. Ooh, that was a fun one. Yeah, that was the first one, yeah. If you go back, you can see Tara's shorter hair. It's, it's, it's like a whole different era of the show. Yeah. But uh, that's just another option for those. Of course, you can simply like, subscribe, comment all these things to help on youtube uh ding the bell for notifications as well uh check out the other shows that are on there uh streams after midnight the new horror show that kind of goes alongside that the sacred hockey mask and uh, that just started so go check out those um tara does have to pose for the thumbnail so we're going to do that right now i expect something pulpy and campy here Okay, you're, you're, it's the 50s. I'm never calling you a doctor, and you're a damsel. Three, two, one, pause! Perfect. There you go. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, what are we doing next week? Uh, I have come unprepared for that question. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you make me look bad like this? Uh, no, Don't we, we are have doing, something in the books? We are doing uh, the film... Uh, well, uh, there's one of two things we're doing next week. I'll put it this way. Do you want the, the more recent film or do you want the longer film? And then I'll tell you which one we're doing. Oh, uh, the longer film. You want to do the longer film? Oh, well, in that case, next week we're doing Blade Runner 2049. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, we're doing Blade Runner 2049. We did the first one a while ago, uh, mm -hmm. ages ago. Uh, the reason why we're doing it is because obviously Dune's coming out this year, so we thought it'd be good this year to do the sci-fi films that Denis Villeneuve has made. So we'll be starting with Blade Runner 2049, and obviously later in the year uh, we'll be doing Arrival, obviously. So uh, those are those are coming, uh, so look forward to that. But uh, yeah, next week, Blade Runner 2049. And also coming in the next couple of weeks, uh, the results of the top 50 vote, which myself and Tara will be revealing. So Ooh. look forward to that. Uh, but yeah, there you go. That is uh, everything. Thank you very much once again for joining us. We always appreciate it. 
I did not thank the Patreon producers. <laughs> I forgot to do that, so I'll do that quickly now before we go. It's because I led into Patreon in a weird way because we were talking about a bit of vote winner. Uh, thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Sharp, Bordenow, Al Treisman, Christopher Moy, David Brown, and Stanley. So thank you, all of you, for being Patreon producers. Thank you. Uh, that is the show. That is us. So thank you once again. Uh, check out the recent Patreon bonus episode, actually. It just went up. Starship Troopers 3. Did you mention that in your list? I can't remember. Nope. <clears throat> Starship Trooper 3, Marauder. Yes. It was... Casper Van Diem is back. It was... Not good. So... <laughs> Our episode's great. The movie's not good. The episode's a hit. <laughs> but the movie's not good. Uh, so, thank you very much once again for watching and listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching science fiction and computer... Add salsa. Them. <laughs> <laughs>